Welcome to Mind Love, episode 189. Today's episode is all about transcending human drama. I've known for a while that Earth is Earth school and that we're here to learn and grow. Part of the paradigm on Earth the last thousands of years has been about these parasites farming humans to get energies. And we can disrupt that pattern. And the way to disrupt that pattern is by claiming your sovereignty. So when you claim your sovereignty, then you get to decide what's in your energetic body and what's not in your energetic body. And when you learn how to discern your feelings and your thoughts from external promptings, then you can be more present to actually acting from your higher consciousness. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hello, my love. If you have not yet subscribed, please hit that cute little button. Subscribing, sharing, and five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts are a really great way to give back if you find this show helpful. They help the show climb the charts, which helps more people find it and helps me get even better guests for you. So today I want to share a short but sweet review by Cosmos Fun that says this show is exceptional. While I've only just begun to scratch the surface of the great range of topics, I must say that I am so very appreciative. Well, I am so very appreciative for you leaving this review. So thank you so much. And now let's get to it. If you have a spiritual practice or you've been studying it for a while, then there's a few things that you probably believe to be true. There's more to your existence than we're led to believe. We are 99.99999% energy. Most of the things we think matter, don't. We are aspects of the divine seeking expression in human form. Our souls came here for a reason and it's probably not the reason our human thinks it is. So if all of this is true to you, then why is it still so hard not to get caught up in all of the superficial drama of our lives? Years ago, my husband and I were a little bit stressed, quite often. We had been living outside of our means for a while, just sort of building up credit card debt just to make ends meet. Well, to be fair, it's not like we were penny pinching to survive, but that was the problem. We lived in LA, one of the most expensive cities in the world, and I wanted to enjoy my life. So we had a small apartment that still cost $2,000 a month. I wanted to go to events and eat healthy food. We loved to travel the world, but we were also building his business and I was working for a startup and money was just tight. Any small setback, like a parking ticket or accidentally wasting food, <laughs> felt like a crisis. And not only that, but it's like the more things I had, the more things I wanted. I'd buy dumb stuff that I didn't really need just to get that dopamine rush. And then the rush would fade and it would start all over again. I still struggled every day to fight off my old eating disorder. My boss was toxic and had anger issues that were affecting me. On the outside, things looked great, but underneath it all, when I was alone with my thoughts, I kind of felt like a mess. I had been wanting to do plant medicine for years, but I had no idea where to have such an experience besides like Peru. One of my yoga teachers mentioned that she did it and I was all intrigued and she said, well, when it's meant to be, it will find you. That's advice that turned out to be true, but at the time was supremely annoying. <laughs> well, I guess I was ready because around my birthday, I got the opportunity for two different plant medicine experiences. 
It was going to be a few hundred dollars for each of us. And like I said, money was tight. So we mulled over the decision for a while, but ended up going for it. The ceremony was amazing and life-changing, but that's not what this episode is about. So the next day we were driving home when we decided to stop and just reflect by the beach. Well, the number one thing that we both took away, well, there was a lot that we learned during that ceremony, but the most resounding thing was just how insignificant all of our problems were, even the ones that seemed bigger at the time. We both had moments of uniting with our souls, looking at our humans, focusing on all of this insignificant shit and just kind of laughing at it. I actually got a medium reading the other day and I spoke to my guides and they gave the medium a visual of me and my guides sitting on a balcony eating popcorn and watching my human as though they were inviting me to be the observer of my own drama of my own life without attachment rather than getting sucked into it all and thinking that it's real. This concept is pretty simple, but it's really pretty hard to grasp. My human mind often fights it like, what do you mean it's not real? My bills are real. My rent is real. And if I don't pay, my eviction is real. My possible divorce is real. If my relationship doesn't work, my health issues are real. Okay, but what if it's only as real as you make it? What if we're just living this simulation for the purpose of our soul's highest good? These are all just lessons that we're taking way too seriously and missing the point of the whole journey. Did you know that recently even the CIA released research documents that prove that we are just basically holograms living in a simulation? Look up the gateway experience. So if this is true, how would you shift your focus? And how would that shift change the course of your life? Well, that is what we're exploring today. And this is an episode that I was divinely connected with. I'll tell you the story in the interview, but it's pretty synchronistic, which is always my sign that I'm exactly where I need to be. And this is exactly how it's supposed to happen, which means that you are now part of that divine design. If you're listening to this, which means that there's something about you that likely needs this message. So our guest is Carrie Hummingbird. She's a soul guide and host of the Soul Nectar Show. She's also the number one international best-selling author of The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama, and the award-winning best-selling book, Awakening to Me, One Woman's Journey to Self-Love. And three key things we will learn are how to heal karmic and ancestral patterns, how entities at the etheric level feast off of our auric fields, and the biggest setbacks we face in the evolution of human consciousness. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you for having me, Melissa. I'm glad to be here. So I am so curious about your story and what led you down the spiritual path? That is such a good question. And I always ask myself, how am I going to answer that question today? (laughs) And, you know, I would say most preciously that I had many moments of realization that there was more to life that I wanted to claim for myself. And yet that I would go back into the traditional pathways and get back into the rhythm of life as it was being lived all around me and totally ignore those signs. And one of my big awakenings was actually my first son. Just speaking of your own recent addition to your family. And I remember when I birthed my first son, how all of a sudden I realized there was something profound and sacred in life. And here was this bundle of it right in my arms. And what was I going to do with that? How was I going to live my life? And it really woke me up to 
any other place in my life that didn't have that kind of meaning was glaringly obvious to me once my son arrived. And so that was really a big spiritual awakening for me. And in terms of walking a spiritual path, I resisted that part for a long time. I remember walking my son around the neighborhood because he was very colicky and he needed a lot of exercise to uh, a lot of movement. I had to keep him entertained. And on these long walks around the neighborhood, I would pass this center of spiritual enlightenment and I would just find my body stopping at the entrance, but I wouldn't go in. It's like I would see it. I would feel into the space. I would wonder about it. And then I would convince myself not to go in and then I would walk on. And this happened for years. So I always found some way to distract myself away from it. So it wasn't really until my first son was about 10 and we'd already moved out of the Bay Area of California and we'd moved to Texas to be closer with my parents. And that's really when I found my spiritual path. And it was because I dove into just a ton of darkness from a lot of pain that I was experiencing, emotional pain that I didn't know how to resolve. And that the experts I was going to see to help me didn't exactly know how to help me either. I was doing the traditional path. I was going to psychotherapists. I was taking the happy pills and it just wasn't getting me to where I felt blissful or happy or even able to enjoy my life. So basically it was the demise of that life. It was the demise of that marriage and that connection and that total way of being, the psychotherapy, everything. It was basically burning down the forest of my life and stepping in faith towards something new based on essentially a sign from what I felt was God that said, that's the end of the rope. You need to move forward. And I left everything. They didn't leave my children, but I left my partner. I left the relationship. I left psychotherapy. I just walked away from all of it and just thought there's got to be something else for me. And it's in that first six months that I found a pathway. I had one of those conversations that we have sometimes with a good friend. And I said, I just don't know what to do. And how am I going to be happy? And where's that path for me? How am I going to find that? And she had said something that caught my attention. And it was that she had experienced a radical healing from a shaman. And I was like, ears perked. What is that? What do you mean? What is that? And she told me about it. And I thought, okay, well, maybe there's a miracle waiting for me there. And so I went home that night and I looked up on the internet. I looked up shaman in Austin and I found a shamanic teacher practitioner who was leading drum journey circles and things like that in Austin for a decade or more and who had a specialty in working with trauma and PTSD. And I went to him and I said, I'd like to take your program Quest for Authenticity because I think I need some and I don't know what else to do to heal because I seem to be broken and unable to be fixed and I need help. And he said, great, you're perfect for this program. <laughs> I was like, okay. And within about a month of starting that program, we started studying the four agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz, which is Toltec wisdom. And I had my first healing. And that was a game changer because I made this tiny little momentary decision to suspend my disbelief and to stop trying to control it. And I said, okay, I'm going to trust for one tiny little second that there's something bigger than me that loves me, that wants me to heal in this moment and that it's possible. And in that moment, in that tiny little fraction, a decision 
this practitioner had been drumming as I was lying on the floor in his office. The moment I made that decision, he stopped drumming and I simultaneously felt this energy hovering in the air above me. It was amazing. I felt pure, unconditional love, literally like a body of it hovering above me. And I knew it was there for me. And at the end of that healing, everything changed. And I thought, 45 minutes and I'm different. 45 minutes and I have a shift. I feel loved. I've had this amazing experience and I've been struggling for 20 years on a sofa in a therapist's office, almost punishing myself for 20 years. And here in this session, in this tiny moment, in this amazing, incredible, mystical experience, I know beyond my mind, I know in my body, God is real. God loves me. I'm wanted and it's going to be okay. That's really began it, Melissa. That was my game changer. I decided whatever that is, I am bringing that to other people because they don't deserve to suffer their whole lifetimes on a couch talking about something that could be healed, that could change. I just can't let that happen to anybody. If I can prevent it, I need to. Wow. That story, I just had chills all over my body. And you Mm. said something that put into words something that I feel like I've been kind of mulling over since I had my baby. And you said having him really highlighted all of the areas in your life that were devoid of that kind of meaning. And I've been wondering what it is that's so different about this little guy. Because, you know, I have been seeking meaning since before I was seeking to be a mom. I actually didn't know that that was in the cards for me. I thought I was just this little independent bird just flying around, you know, like (laughs) did not see that in my future. And then one day I started to make a new decision and I was really thinking about the full cycle of life and how if I don't reproduce, it, it kind of takes away part of that cycle. It's not quite a cycle anymore. It would end with me. What does that mean for me? Like just asking myself questions that were opening my mind to the idea a little bit. And then when I had him, the amount of times that I think I can't believe I almost made a decision not to do this. And I'm not saying that that's for everybody, that everybody needs to have a child in order to fully experience life. But for me, now I just know it feels so right and it was just so there that I needed to do this. Like this is definitely where my life is supposed to go and I can't believe I almost sort of sacrificed the way that I'm able to feel with this little man in my life. And now it has me questioning so many different things. Like what is meaning really? What am I here to find? And I'm wondering for you, when you say find that kind of meaning or the other things that were devoid of meaning through your spiritual journey, what have you found is that meaning that we're all seeking? If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way EstroControl eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver... 
Women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and Estro Control is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in L.A. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Aloe Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? <laughs> they have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, hit classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Aloe Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code MINDLOVE. alomoves.com code MINDLOVE. When you say find that kind of meaning or the other things that were devoid of meaning through your spiritual journey, what have you found is that meaning that we're all seeking? I really honestly feel it's ourselves, our human selves seeking our souls. There's this recognition with motherhood and with birthing this little baby. It expanded my heart and my sense of what is sacred to the place where I became aware that there was something bigger going on than my high-tech corporate job as a technical writer in Silicon Valley. You know, like there, <laughs> at some point, my career doing that kind of work became intolerable. My last job I had was an actual job, but I was in Texas working for a company in Silicon Valley. And I remember I had been on this healing journey and I, because the moment I had that healing, I was like, I'm doing this. So I started training. I started going to get certified and trained and I studied with a bunch of different teachers and I found my way through that and I was working with clients and I was still holding down this other job, you know, this other totally different life and trying to do both. And I remember near the end of that, I got this runway leap where Spirit said, okay, this is it. You have one year and you're getting laid off. They actually gave me a one year layoff. I mean, who gets that? 
nobody gets that. It's a one year layoff. Crazy. And I said, okay, this is my runway. This is my ramp. I'm going to fly. I am going to do this. This is what spirit's calling me. My heart's calling me. Everything in every cell in my body's calling me. This is what I must focus on. This is what I'm doing. I'm bringing this to the world. And that I got to do this other job. And I literally could barely make myself do an hour at the end. It was so hard to do that job at the end because I just couldn't resolve what meaning does this have? This has like no meaning. What is the point? So yeah, this path is like, once you have whatever you have that awakens you to this sacred experience, this the sacred that's here all the time, but we kind of step over it, ignore it, distract from it, numb out to it, we walk away from it. It's there all the time, but we don't immerse in it. And when you have this experience that immerses you to it, like you just become aware and you're in it, now there's no turning back. Well, there's literally no turning back. Everything is now in a new context and the new context cannot tolerate shallow experiences. Really, it just can't. What I find super interesting is somehow I feel like this interview was supposed to happen. And it's interesting because I spend a lot of time going through books on Amazon. (laughs) And part of it's what I do, but I was doing that before I started a podcast. I would just look through and I would be putting so many books in my Amazon cart and then drilling them down. And sometimes it takes longer for me to pick the book than to actually read it. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) anyways, I ended up with a few different books and I don't actually remember picking them. And one of them was this book by a woman named Erin Worley named I Am, I Create. And then the other one was your book. And I was looking in my Kindle app and I was like, I don't remember actually purchasing these books, but I started to look through them. And I was reading through your book and you mentioned Heather Ashamara, who's been on my podcast, Paul Selig, who's been on my podcast a few different times. And so I reached out and was like, you need to be on my podcast. And you're like, I'd love to. And so then I was searching my email inbox to find your email so that I could do research, you know, find your links and everything. And I found an email from you from like 2018 where you're like, Heather Ashamara, recommended me to you and I'd like for you to come on my podcast. And on that exact same day, I got an email from another channeler that's a friend of mine named Gary Temple Bodley, who actually was like, I need to connect you with this woman, Erin Worley, which was the other random book that I had. And so somehow (laughs) you and her were like circling in my influence. And I was like, I need to read this book. And then when I started to read your book, I just couldn't put it down. And now here we are. (laughs) That's awesome. Which book is it that you were reading? Transcending Human Drama. Oh, The Second Wave. Yes, Yes, The Second Wave. And so I'm so intrigued (laughs) by this idea too, because at the same time where I'm having a baby, the amount of people who have said to me, which you know, if you're a person out there listening to this podcast, don't say this to a new mom. Don't ask them if now is the really the best time to bring a human into the world. You know, it's already done and I can't reverse it. (laughs) And so I'm reading your book and you said something that happens to be my answer to people like this. And I'm like, I usually end up responding with, you know, we're creating a new earth. And if we're not populating it with people that have this energy and this motivation and this drive to create the earth that we all know is possible, then how is it ever going to be created? (laughs) And you said that about bringing people into the world and in the second wave and the volunteers of that. So can you explain that a little bit better than I can? Yeah, absolutely. I heard about the second wave from Dolores Cannon. And I had forgotten that I'd heard about it from her when I was, I got the spirit message, you're going to write this book, The Second Wave. And this was in February, 2019. I got the message from my guides, you're going to write this book. And I'm like, what is the second wave? I didn't know what it was. And they've reminded me, okay, go look at Dolores Cannon. And so she has this video on YouTube called The Three Waves of Volunteers. She also has a book 
on Amazon, the three waves of volunteers. So she actually is a person who learned that she could hypnotize a person into such a state of deep hypnosis that she could talk to their soul directly and ask questions. Well, that's cool. So she did that. And as she was starting to do that with thousands of people, she started noticing some trends. They were talking about, oh, I'm part of the first wave or I'm part of the second wave. And so she did her own like soul survey to see what's going on with this and then started getting details about their lives and publishing their results. So that work is really powerful. The first wave is essentially the people who you could think about in the 60s that came into being that had a great deal of influence and opened up access to spiritual pathways for Western consciousness. We're in the United States, I am anyway, so that's my focus. People that were doing that here, that were opening up our minds to new possibilities. People like Martin Luther King, people like JFK, you know, people who were in the mix and advocating for a better world. And on the heels of that work that was done, now comes the second wave. And the second wave people are the people who are right now today, probably somewhere between 21 and 52, somewhere in that range. There's a pretty nice big swath for the second wave. My son is on the younger side and I'm on the older side of that wave. And the second wave, the goal of this wave is twofold. One goal of the wave is to embody as human and to clear the ancestral DNA so that we have a massive healing for human consciousness and uplift the entire timeline so that we can achieve new earth through this massive healing process. So you're seeing that in the collective, we have all of these ancient patterns of suppression and hatred and segregation and all of these things are arising, you know, misogyny, all of this is like in our faces in the collective right now. And that's because in order to heal something, you have to feel it. You have to see it, witness it and feel it. There's just no other way. So this is what's happening collectively. And the second wave people are the people who embodied into family lines where there's just a whole lot of human drama that has been happening in that family ancestry. And the second wave person comes in embodied to heal it in their own body, thereby healing the ancestral DNA seven generations forward and seven back. So some of those people, and according to the work that Dolores Cannon, the surveys that she did, some of them said, you know what, I don't want to have children. I'll come in and I'll help. I'll be a help to this process, but I don't want to have children because children create karma, which is true. The moment you have a child, now you're responsible for that child and you actually are entangled in that child's karmic lessons on earth. And so sometimes this means that you'll have to come back for a few more lifetimes just to sort out whatever happens in this lifetime. So some souls are not willing to be on earth longer than one lifetime. They're not going to have a child. But there is also a lot of souls that came in explicitly to clear the ancestral DNA and then to also procreate and bring the third wave into being in this incarnation. So there are many second wave souls that came in here to do the hard work in their family lines and then to be the demonstration of love in their vessel, in their ancestral DNA, in their life experience, in their actions, in their words, and then to birth children into being who then carry that forward as part of the third wave. And this is how we create new earth. So how else are you going to birth a child into the third wave except through someone who's already done the ancestral healing as a second wave person? There's no other way that I know of. So that's essentially what's been going on. And so for anybody listening who's like, well, how do I know if I'm part of the second wave? Well, first of all, if you're getting goosebumps, that's a good sign that you probably are. Second of all, you might be a person who's just been asking the question your whole life. How come they don't understand that that's not loving? 
you might just have a better grasp on what's loving behavior, what's not loving behavior, what's honest behavior, what's not honest behavior. Like you get to the lesson a lot quicker than other people seem to get to. And when you try to explain some of these things to people, they just don't understand, but you get it. And you might be the only one in your whole family that understands, or maybe there's just a couple of you. And there could be some pretty sticky, icky patterns that you inherited that you're like, I've got to do something about this. So I'm going to go do self-help and I'm going to learn how to be a therapist or I'm going to be a healer. or I'm going to deep dive into my own consciousness and heal it. So you just have this drive to heal yourself, to bring more love. And that is really the essence of the second wave. And so clearly, Melissa, you're clearly part of the second wave. And not only that, but you're a messenger. So the second wave had lots of messengers too. So lots of people that are doing podcasts and sharing their messages and their hearts and leading in some capacity as you are on your podcast. While you were speaking, I just all of a sudden had this knowing where I was contemplating the idea of like, wow, how did I not know this sooner? How did I not know that I was part of the second wave sooner? Or why was I still so resistant to having a child until all of a sudden I wasn't? And I just suddenly had this knowing where it was like, oh, you weren't ready yet because you needed to still clear some of that ancestral trauma, the old behavioral patterns, which I know for a fact that this is why I am in my family. There's a lot of pain on both sides and a lot of... Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants, so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains, and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND, and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M-I-N-D. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams... 
Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. destructive patterns, I would say. And my whole life has basically been breaking those from bulimia to addiction to just all the things. I feel like I've just always been climbing out of the pit <laughs> that I was born yeah. into, you know? And so, but not not so much in the last few years. The last few years, I feel like I've finally been able to build on solid ground instead of like deep beneath the surface, if that makes sense. I totally feel you when you said digging out of the pit. It's <laughs> like, how much more is there? I was just actually talking to my husband about this today. My my soulmate, my new husband, Akeem, my present for doing all the work <laughs> mm-hmm. and my partner in helping me to do my mission work. But uh, it's like, how much more of this is there? You know, and I think that some of us, you might be wondering that, like if you're out there and resonating with what I'm saying, maybe you might feel like, why do I have so much stuff to clear? How come I have this huge bucket load of stuff that I need to work on and heal and clear? Like, am I that messed up? You know, like you might be wondering that. And what I finally realized along the way after many medicine ceremonies where I'm the one that's really going through deep traumatic work and puking and all this kind of stuff, like, (laughs) what is wrong with me? Why is this happening to me? I have that much stuff to work through. And I realized, oh, it's because I signed on for that. Like I actually signed on to do much more healing than just my own. I signed on to do ancestral healing, collective healing, and that's just part of what I signed on to do in this life. So yeah, so a lot of things tend to be pretty intense. And if you're feeling me on that, then I I just send you love because (laughs) whoever's listening going, oh, that sounds like me. You know, it's the bodhisattva, right? It's like that vow, like no one shall suffer. I will bring healing to the world. I'll bring my heart. I'll bring kindness. I'll lift those around me and I'll bring that message of love and I'll elevate humanity out of suffering. And it is a tricky territory to navigate because there's all kinds of egoic patterns that weave themselves right into that soul's destiny, that soul's mission, like martyrdom and self-deprecation and just so pleaser, being a pleaser. There's so many patterns that weave its way into that. So there's lots of clearing on that level too, just to be a healer, just to serve your actual destiny and your purpose without ego and without apology. That is itself a whole curriculum. So yeah, we're in for it. (laughs) Like we signed up. So if we came here to basically find our own souls and to clear our old patterns. And we came here for that healing, for that experience. But there are some people who never really seem to seek healing. Why did they come here? Or is it just that maybe they're in an earlier life where they haven't yet figured that out? This is such a good question. And I can't remember who said this, but it was such a beautiful thing that really helped me understand what's going on here on earth. I've known for a while that earth is earth school and that we're here to learn and grow. 
And at one point I heard somebody say, Earth is a classroom with all grade levels in the same room. So in the one classroom, we've got kindergartners, teenagers, young adults, adults, elders, ascended masters. Everybody's in the same classroom. And our abilities are vastly different from each other. And no one's any better than anyone else. So we're all equals. And we all have different knowledge. We all have different wisdom. We all have different life experiences. So some souls are really young to earth maybe and are getting their feet on the ground. And that takes a lot of effort. Even as a soul that's older, like myself, I'm just an older soul, I still struggle with some of the same things that many younger souls struggle with. You know, I still will come up against some of the things you mentioned, like not emotional eating, right? Like I'll recognize I'm emotional eating and then I'll still do it. You know, things like that. <laughs> I mean, just being in a body, taking care of my body, loving my body. These are all things that we're learning. And many people have also asked me, how come so many people have died in 2020? Like, why are all these people dying? And my answer to that, that I received through meditation with my guidance was not everybody is prepared for the curriculum we're moving into. So they had an easy out to leave the planet so that they didn't have to be challenged by this curriculum that's a little beyond their ability at this point. And the new curriculum is relationships. So we're coming out of this curriculum that sort of stepped all over relationships in order to build material security, material wealth, power over control, all of that for the individual journey. So we've been having that experience for the last several thousand years. And now we're moving into the age of Aquarius. We're moving into a curriculum about relationships, relationship to all your inner selves, relationship to others, relationship to the planet, relationship to animals, relationship to plants. You know, we're moving into all forms of relationship. And that is a very complex, nuanced curriculum that is shattering the older patriarchal models of domination, control, suppression, violation, dogma, conformity, all of that. Because as part of relationship, you have to know yourself and you have to be able to know all the aspects and relationships within yourself and navigate those as well as hold space for others in your life to allow for everybody's unique light and voice to be heard and to be loved and supported. That's the new curriculum. And, you know, there's a lot of souls on this planet who are very challenged by aspects of that shattering of the patriarchal structures that's happening right now. When I look at the world right now, I see clearly that there are people in power and then the majority of the rest of the people are in some way being influenced by those people in power for motives like to keep their power and their money. <laughs> That's how I'm just seeing the world right now. And depending on the different spiritual leaders that I've talked to about this, there's some people that tend to believe that there are dark forces and that's kind of what those that come here to be the light are up against. But then there are other people who seem to think that it's not that they're dark forces, it's just other humans struggling with the same patterns that tend to pull humans in, like money and power and all of that. What is your perspective on that? Well, the perspective that I've received through the work I did on my most recent book, Healing the Mother Wound, that book is about really reconnecting with our 
primary teacher in earth school, which is Mother Earth, you know, the divine Mother Earth expressed in material form. And so a lot of the things that happen in this earth dimension, they're all conspired to help us to learn and grow, each one of us, each one. So whether you're an older soul or a baby soul, all the things that are conspiring on the earth are there to support the growth of every single soul. So sometimes souls show up for you in your curriculum in a way that you need them to in order for you to learn your soul lesson at hand and take the inspired actions that will lead you into a new embodiment of yourself at a higher frequency. So I can explain this through talking about my mom a little bit because my mom and I, we were always had such a hard time understanding each other. And my dad was always the go-between. And then about three years ago, my dad passed away. And on his deathbed, I said, you know, dad, I promise you, I am going to love mom unconditionally and you don't have to be afraid about leaving. And then he left and then promptly my family fell into disarray and, you know, taking sides and all kinds of human drama, essentially. And my mom was really hurt and really angry about many things and also really scared about me going out as a messenger, right? And sharing, we always share, don't we, Melissa? We share from our hearts and that can be hard for our families sometimes to be hearing those things and afraid of how people might perceive them. So my mom, I had to work on this relationship because I already made the promise and in my heart anyway, was my commitment to myself that I would not let that stand. I would heal this relationship one way or the other. In the exploration of healing, and there are, of course, lots of resentments I had towards my mom and things throughout the years and stories that I would tell and the whole thing. You know, I had my narrative, my view of things, and that painted her in a very unfavorable light, the way that I was holding things. So in the work that I did to shift my reality, I had to look at what role is my mom playing in my story that's helping me to accomplish the life work that I'm here to do? What role has she played in my life to teach me necessary skills and insights so that I can accomplish the deep mission I feel in my heart? How is she my greatest teacher? So I had to flip the script. So I used a lot of different tools to figure that out, to really explore that. And what I ended up finding out was that Many of the ways that my mom was showing up for me were directly related to me learning how to, for example, be with people who were upset and expressing their upsetness. Well, I kind of need that skill if I'm going to be a coach and be okay listening to people's deepest secrets and their deepest feelings and holding space for them. I need to be able to do that. She also taught me about provocation. She taught me the nuances of speech. Like when I would try to say things in such a way as to not piss her off, you know? <laughs> I mean, I had to learn that. I had to learn how to navigate my voice and my intentions. And now I've learned how to speak with love from my heart. And I've learned that I can't speak from love fully if I'm still unhealed underneath holding a grudge. So I've learned that love is fierce. And that's why my book is called Love is Fierce. Because we have to be willing to go all the way in the healing, not just part way, but all the way. And it's even past forgiveness because it's not even about forgiveness anymore. It becomes total gratitude, like undying gratitude for this teacher that came into my life to teach me. So I've done a complete 180. My mom and I are now enjoying each other in a way that we never, ever did before. It feels safe. It feels loving. It feels respectful. It feels curious. 
it's beautiful. And I'm so grateful I didn't stop part way. I'm so grateful I went all the way. And my mom is like, she and I will just sit there like, I can't believe this is happening. This is what I always wanted. I don't know how we got here, but I'm so happy. And I haven't been posting pictures of me and my mom because I didn't want my mom to feel like I was using her for my business. That's just the yuckiest thing I could imagine. So I haven't used any of the pictures. We've taken a lot of pictures. I haven't shared any. But Mother's Day, I was like, okay, mom, this picture, I had to share this. This is too awesome. And my mom was like, okay. So I put this picture out there of us and everyone's like, oh my God, you guys are twins. <laughs> like, <laughs> If anybody had said that to me before, Melissa, I would have been so mad. <laughs> you know, like a year ago, I would have been like, what? But now I'm like, yeah, my mom's totally my twin. Like I love her. Absolutely. She's awesome. So whoever's listening, you're, you're listening and you're feeling like there's somebody in your life that is just your nemesis, just like, oh my God, this person pushes all of my buttons. I feel powerless with this person. They trample over my boundaries. I just can't stand them. Or when I'm around them, I get so angry. I feel so hurt. Whoever that person is, that's your invitation. That person, if you can crack the code on that relationship and you can bring yourself to gratitude, that's how we're going to make peace on earth. Exactly right there. So there isn't any mistake. It's not a mistake. It's intentional. We're teamed up with these souls so that we can each learn and grow. That's the whole design. It might feel totally evil. I completely get that. And it's medicine. It's soul medicine. One of the things you said was it feels curious. Your relationship with your mom now feels curious. And something about that hit home because I notice whenever I'm in a negative pattern with another person, like for some reason, a certain friend and I keep seeming to have tension or my mom and I keep having tension or like the riffs I've had with my husband, whatever it is, I've noticed that it usually has to do with an assumption of the other person's intention. And so when you said it feels curious, it's this invitation to realize that you don't know everything about another person ever. Nobody does. There's so many layers and there's things that people might be silently working on within themselves and maybe wanting to grow out of. And the more that you're assuming their intentions in that moment, the more you are actually anchoring them to that old version of themselves. And so to show up to a relationship with curiosity is just such a gift that you can give the other person because it's allowing them to show you more about them. Even if you've been with them every day for 40 years, allowing them to still evolve and to grow and being open to receive that person that they are. And so I love that word choice. But you also said something in your book where you talk about how there's the etheric level that there's entities that feast off of the auric field that surround the body and they eat anger, fear, grief, regret, shame, guilt, and all of the other heavy emotions. Explain that. Well, yeah. So we're in an ecosystem, right? So just like in the ocean, or if you've ever had a fish tank, you have those catfish, you know, that go along the bottom and they eat all the stuff on the bottom of the tank and they clean it up because the other fish, they poop, right? You know, so like <laughs> the catfish are there to clean up the poop, basically. So in some ways, these energetic parasites are there to clean up the energetic field. When we have anger, we have fear or guilt or regret or any of that, you know, it's sort of there to clean up that energy. But it got a little out of hand on Earth because of this power over matrix. And so there was some farming of the human collective in order to have food 
right, for these parasites. So this part gets a little creepy for people and they might start feeling like, ew, you know, to make sure I don't have any parasites. We all have them. We all have parasites, just like we have parasites in our gut. You know, we have parasites that eat sugar. So if you eat a lot of sugar, you end up with those sugar parasites in your gut and then they kill all the other healthy bacteria, right? So the same with our ancestral line. If you'll notice, like sometimes in family lines, there's like a big problem with anger, like just not being able to deal with anger. And then we'll notice through the generations that that just keeps passing down and passing down and passing down. And part of the paradigm on earth the last thousands of years has been about these parasites farming humans to get energies. And we can disrupt that pattern. And the way to disrupt that pattern is by claiming your sovereignty. So when you claim your sovereignty, then you get to decide what's in your energetic body and what's not in your energetic body. And when you learn how to discern your feelings and your thoughts from external promptings, then you can be more present to actually acting from your higher consciousness. If you're not aware of that, you can get provoked all day long by entities or even other people operating through that influence to act out and be angry. It's like anger can be very catchy if you've noticed. If you just spend any time driving on the freeway and somebody has anger and then they drive you know, with that anger, now all of a sudden you're feeling angry because they're driving with anger. So it spreads really quickly unless you have the presence of mind to realize that person's under an influence that I can choose not to be under. I choose not to be under that influence. And you can realize that it's not you that's having the anger. It's something stimulating the anger within you. And then it's your choice whether to act from that or not or whether to clear it, right, using your tools and your awareness. So I was definitely played pretty big time by these entities in my life until I came to the Four Winds Light Body School, which is a training program from Alberto Vialdo. And I'm certified in energy medicine through that program. And I learned about these entities and I learned about how we don't even know that they're on us most of the time. So we have to learn how to clean our energy body, how to clear our energy body, how to manage our chakras and how to manage our boundaries, like our energetic boundaries. You know, psychotherapists were always saying to me, you have no boundaries, but they never taught me how to get one. So at the four winds, I learned how to get one. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> thank you for showing me where my energy body is. Now I know who I am. I appreciate that. And when you know who you are, you can do things like clear your energy. You can make decisions about your energy. You can have better boundaries, thicken your shield. You know, there's lots of things you can do to make your space more palatable so that you're less under the influence of unconscious thoughts, energies, and behaviors. Right. That's why I have to spend minimal time on Twitter. <laughs> I feel like it's just like an anger cesspool. But uh, it's interesting. One of the things that I end up talking about a lot when people come to me and they're like, but how do you get through this? How did you get through all the things that you've gotten through? And when does it end? And this might be disheartening for some people, but I found that it doesn't necessarily end. It's not like we reach this point of enlightenment and then all of a sudden it's just smooth sailing from there. It's about knowing yourself enough to understand what you need in the moment and then developing enough tools that work for you personally so that when more things continuously pop up because this is earth and there's constantly human drama, that you know which tool that you need in that moment and you can give it to yourself and you can work through it with a lot more grace than you did at the beginning of your journey. And one of the things you do talk about, the biggest setbacks that we face when we are in the evolution of human consciousness are these three things, earth amnesia, 
karma and free will. How do those things work together? (laughs) Well, earth amnesia is all about forgetting who you are in truth, right? So if you don't remember you're a soul in a body, and sometimes I forget, right? (laughs) I mean, I pretty much know I'm a soul in a body, but occasionally I just become human. And the human being is what causes the human drama. So whenever you're seeing life through that lens, it feels very precious, very violating and very attacking sometimes, right? And it feels like it needs a response right away. It feels pressing. So we got to remember who you are. And once you know who you are, you've got to expand that knowing until you can hold on to that knowing all the time through these various challenges, like you said, come your way. And sure, the challenges sometimes increase in intensity just to expand your capacity to stay with yourself in your soul presence without giving into the human drama. So that's really part of the game. And I call it a game just because we are here to learn and grow and we're here to have this experience. So the karma, there's nothing really wrong about karma. I mean, karma is just the curriculum, right? It's just the curriculum you're here to explore. A lot of people talk about karma and they really, where they're talking about is negative karmic results, but karma itself is just action. It's just what action are you going to take? So when you take an action, you want to be sure you're taking it from the right perspective. You want to take it from the soul perspective, because from the soul perspective, you're going to be operating a higher frequency automatically. If you take an action from your human perception and awareness, you're probably going to end up being a little low vibrational in your result. If you take it from your soul perspective, you just give yourself more freedom, more possibility, more open potential from that place. And the frequency at the soul level is love. So you're operating from love at that point. Now, if you operate from a lower frequency, it's not a disaster. You're just going to have some negative karmic results. And then you can attend to those negative karmic results and take some action to maybe recapitulate that or produce a different outcome or visualize it differently even after the fact. Make something new from it. You can choose to do that. And uh, if you end up beating yourself up over that mistake, then you'll make some more negative karma. (laughs) So it never really serves. I've had to learn that hard lesson. It just never really serves to judge oneself for mistakes. It just serves to learn from the mistakes. And then once you do that, you can reverse the polarity and bring in some more positive energy to yourself and to others. And what was the last thing you were asking me about? Because I forgot already. (laughs) No, I was just asking about how earth amnesia, karma, and free will all kind of work together as the biggest setbacks that we face in the evolution of human consciousness. You know, free will is (sighs) every soul is sovereign. And not every soul is going to take actions that you agree with for sure they're not going to do it. You're going to have souls that take actions that you completely disagree with and you think it's wrong and you can sit back in judgment and say they shouldn't be so and they shouldn't be doing that. And you can say all the things that you think it should be instead. And that is entangling yourself in their karma. So this recent law that just got passed in Texas by Greg Abbott to restrict a woman's freedom of choice to end a pregnancy. We've been talking about what a beautiful, sacred experience being pregnant with a baby is. And I can agree like that is absolutely an amazing, sacred experience. And I can also absolutely say that it's not for me to choose on behalf of any soul, whether or not a woman carries a pregnancy to term or not. It's not up to me. It's up to that person and her soul agreement with that child, which I have no privy information to because I'm not that person and I'm not that child. It's none of my business, really. This is one thing that humans have a really hard time with 
because we see things happening in the world that we really disagree with, that really hurt us, that really make us angry, that really make us afraid, and we want them to stop doing that thing. And they're sovereign and they're free under spirit law. So when we take actions to control people in this dimension, we're actually involving ourselves in their karma. And that situation gets very messy and very sticky very quickly. And then you see the system gets log jammed and stuck because everybody's in everybody else's pockets trying to make everybody do something that they think they should be doing according to their perspective. And then the entire system comes to a screeching halt and nobody can make a decision or even talk to each other. And that's where we're at right now. It's a huge misunderstanding about sovereignty and free will. And what's the solution? The solution is to begin by respecting people's sovereignty and... Also, if it bothers you what people are doing with that, then to do the inner work to heal it. Because as Rumi says, we are not a drop in the ocean. We are the entire ocean in a drop. So if we're the entire ocean in a drop, then we're also that person we really disagree with. We're also that thing we hate and we want it to stop. We also are that. So when we elevate our own frequency around that thing, whatever that is, we also elevate the entire matrix And at the higher frequencies, if you could just imagine we're moving into the 5D, at the 5D, there's a heck of a lot more clairvoyance for most people. So if there's a heck of a lot more clairvoyance for most people in the 5D, then how is lying, for example, going to be sustained? It's not. (laughs) It'll go away as part of the 5D. So we're in this tricky little part right now where we need to embrace sovereignty and clean up our codependent messes and really elevate our own consciousness so that we move the collective consciousness into the 5D where then once we are there and we've honored everyone's sovereignty, from that place we'll experience a new reality that won't include many of the things we're currently arguing with because they won't be sustained at the higher frequency they can't possibly be. So it is this tricky little territory to navigate because there's lots of things in the world that I personally disagree with. <laughs> a lot right. right now for me personally. Yeah. <laughs> and, exactly. And it's so easy though because I do get really passionate about those things and I'm like, this is what I see really going on. This is the information I'm sharing, you know, and I tend to share controversial things. And my work is constantly stepping back and being like, okay, let me get my hands in the information so I can share, but then let me step back and do the inner work because because I need to let go of some of this stuff. It does create some heavy feelings and I can't control the people around me. Like that is their call. Abbott, anyone else making the decisions for the rest of us that maybe we don't agree with. They're the ones entangling in all of our karma. They're going to create their own mess that they've got to deal with. And also realizing that this is a beautiful divine tapestry and my soul came here at this time for a reason. And it knew I might be encountering this specific struggle. So part of this is my work to be done. And so it's not about it not being fair. It's about me figuring out how to rise above that human idea of fairness and find my own power and my divinity through it regardless and trust that by doing that, my ascension is going to affect all of the people around me and their ascension is going to affect the people around them. And that's how we build a new earth. I love that you brought up fairness because Oh, isn't that one of the major blocks to accepting our soul's curriculum is to say, well, it's not fair. 
because how come I have to do all this work on behalf of everybody else because this person, that person, other person is not doing their work and I can sit back and judge that they're not doing their work and da, 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 right? Like I could be so filled with judgment. This has been my path that I've really had to walk through. And I finally, one day I realized life is completely fair. It is completely fair. It's giving me exactly the curriculum I need to grow. And it's giving everybody else that I perceive as not doing their work at my level, exactly the work that they need to do, right? Like it's not for me to judge. Everybody is getting exactly what they need. And that is the ultimate faith and trust I have to have in the divine and in mother earth as our teacher. I have to trust her completely that she is giving me exactly what I need to grow. And the moment I can trust that I can get past the, it shouldn't be so, or it's not fair. And now I can embrace what's the lesson for me. Like I did this week when this whole thing happened with Greg Abbott, I had to go inside of so much anger and so much, I mean, just, it was been intense. And I just had to go inside myself and be like, okay, there is something here for me. What is it for me? What is the lesson for me? What is this bringing to me? And for me, it was ultimately the question of, do I honestly believe that any other human being can possibly affect my sovereignty if I know my sovereignty to be true as a soul and I'm embodying that? Can any other human being possibly actually confront my sovereignty? The answer is no, it's not possible, only if I allow it. So however it happens, there'd be some way for me to be served in my sovereignty, even if that's going on. And frankly, I'm in menopause, so it's not an issue for me anymore. But I had to ask myself, what's the major priority here? And to me, the major priority is teaching about sovereignty and teaching people to honor their sovereignty and to step into that and to really release all the notions of the triangle of disempowerment that's been happening on the planet for the last thousands of years, because that is not moving forward. The victim, rescuer, perpetrator triangle is not moving forward with us. It's staying behind. And we're each stepping into radical personal responsibility for the realities that we're each individually creating and co-creating. That's the new landscape. And any soul who's not willing to step into those lessons will find themselves offered an opportunity to exit this plane of existence and to maybe go on another planet where those lessons are still available. But on this planet, those lessons are no longer part of our collective reality. We're phasing them out. So I love that you talked about fairness and yes, so much yes, it is all fair. Well, thank God for Elon because he's paving the way for those people that don't want to step into that here. <laughs> and you can leaving. just go to Mars. Uh, well, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. I already went longer than I normally do, but I just loved this conversation so much. So for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and your work and your podcast, where's the best place for them to connect? The best place is my website, carriehummingbird.com. That's K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. And from there, you can get access to Love is Fierce and The Second Wave and my one-year program and Healing the Mother Wound, just so many good things, Soul Nectar Show. And yeah, just gonna get in my space and you're welcome to it. Welcome to hang out in my space. And I'm so glad that we had this conversation, Melissa, because I've known for a while, I've been listening and I know for a while that you're just such a badass and I wanted to be in your space too. So I'm really glad we had this conversation. All of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 189. Your challenge for this week is simple, but it can be more difficult than it seems. As often as possible that you feel yourself getting roped into your own life's drama, I want you to use that visual of you and your spirit guides just sitting on the balcony, eating popcorn, laughing with no attachment. 
yes, you can have empathy for your human self, but you don't need to feel like it's so real. I know that it feels real. I know, I know it feels real. I have gone through so much life drama that I know how truly real it feels. But I can also tell you that even sometimes in moments of struggle that did feel the most real, when I was able to step back without attachment and take it a little bit less seriously, it only ever helped. That doesn't mean that you let go of all your responsibilities and you stop paying your rent and you don't pay attention to your family anymore. That's not what it means at all. It just means that you start to view these things as little lessons, things to work around, kind of like if you were playing a video game. Yeah, you still have to defeat that monster, but you're not gonna sit there and cry about it while you're holding the remote, right? You still have to defeat or overcome or learn from the lessons that life presents to you, but you don't have to let it drag you down. And so I wonder how your life might open up or change a little bit if you're just able to shift that perspective to a little bit less attachment to your problems and a little bit more just joy in the fact that you're being able to experience it at all. So let me know how it goes. Reach out to me at mindlovemelissa. If this episode was helpful for you, take a screenshot and share it on social media. I know this episode in particular was one of those that I particularly loved. There were just so many insights and truths that were reiterated back to me that I've been carrying with me since I did this interview. Also, if you're a fan of the show, I would love to invite you to join Mind Love Premium. It's an amazing little community. You get extra episodes, monthly meditations, and other bonuses. You actually get a private feed that you get to import to any of your favorite podcast apps that allow you to get the episodes ad-free and sometimes early. So I would love to meet you in the premium community. And that is all for today. I hope you guys had an amazing 4th of July. I hope it was a reminder of your innate freedom and independence, despite what's going on in the world around you. If you carry that in your heart, you can live with that feeling no matter what. So I love you all. And thanks for giving your mind a little love today. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.